Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. Today is a really special episode. Emily Morse is somebody that I have admired in my industry for so many years. She is just a pioneer when it comes to talking about sex and normalizing those conversations. And I really truly think that you're going to have an orgasm after listening to this episode. Like if you haven't ever done it, Even if you've done it a million times, you're like, you know, an orgasm legend. I think you still will because she has incredible insight to that. Before we get into Emily, I'm only going to answer a few of your questions here because I really want to give her the space today. But I will say a lot of you had asked about moving. Maybe some of you are sick of hearing about it, but I moved, you know, two weeks ago now and or a week and a half ago. And it was crazy. It was honestly a really shitty experience. Like the moving itself and the movers were wonderful, but the concept of moving when you've lived in a place for eight years, I mean, the people in this building I lived in were my family. Like I can't explain to you how much love I have for like my super, like things like that, you know, and to, to make a change like that and feel just like, it's so different, you know? And I, I'm embracing it now and I'm I'm happy about it now but there was a moment where I like totally broke down a couple moments you know after we moved in there was a serious plumbing situation both the toilets were broken there were like cockroaches it was disgusting we had to go stay at a hotel that our landlord wouldn't pay for it was just like a nightmare and I broke down I was like hysterical and like my partner was feeling the same way and we were just like so done And it's still a process. I mean, we're definitely not ready for like an apartment tour. We have so much things we need to sell. We have to get rid of like a bajillion things. We have to get new things. Things are on back order. Moving is for sure a journey. Um, And some people wanted me to talk about finding an apartment. You know, honestly, street easy. And I think like related, just check those websites, have notifications on make sure that you are looking when you can pull the trigger. Like don't look for an apartment two months out in the city because you will not get that apartment unless it's only available in two months. Um, And you can work with a real estate agent. I didn't. I have a friend who's a wonderful real estate agent and he was a great advisor on the situation. But um, if you're looking to rent, you really don't need one. 
just, you know, stay on it. Make sure you know what like your non-negotiables are. Like if you want like some space, you know, on Street Easy, you can be specific. You can say like, I want over a thousand square feet or blah, blah, blah. I need a doorman. I need washer dryer, whatever you need. Just get as specific as possible and turn on those notifications like ASAP. And it's also really important, I think, to be in an area that you want to be in. Like if you have to sacrifice the size of the apartment because you want to be in that area, then do it. Is there such thing as being too picky? Absolutely. I truly believe that everybody I know is too picky. Like everyone who's single is too picky. They are looking for this like perfect thing that doesn't exist. Like personality is the only thing that matters when you're finding a partner. Like that like looks fade. Everything fades. Personality is going to keep you interested in your person. Going to make you guys have a good time when you're alone together. Just the two of you. Like that's all that matters. Dating again when you're not over your ex. I say do it personally. I think that it's like an amazing time to date when you're not emotionally available because you don't really get attached. But I don't know. That's just how I feel. I think that it also shows that like only if someone's really great will you be into them if you're not over your ex, you know? Just don't like talk about your ex when dating because no one wants to hear about that. How to navigate someone's fetish. I think we touch on this a little bit in this episode. Um, not that like I have a fetish, but I definitely have kinks. And so that's something that my partner and I navigate. If it is too outlandish for you and you can't get into it, like I have a friend who, you know, whose partner was into BDSM and she just couldn't get there and that's okay. You know, you don't have to force yourself to do it. But if you really love them, then sometimes like their fetish becomes your fetish in a way. And then where to find friends in New York City. We have a great Facebook group. It's called We Met on Facebook at Acme. Search for it and um, request to join. You can message people in the group, like write posts about friend meetups in the city. Everyone in the group is really such a wonderful person. And so I think that's a great way to do it. We also have a Facebook group for apartment like housing stuff. It's called We Lived at Acme. And people are finding roommates and selling clothes and like furniture and whatever it is. So definitely check that out. And I'm just really excited for this episode with Emily. So I hope you enjoy. She is truly an incredible person. And I hope to work with her again one day. I am really getting good at collecting jewelry. And that's probably a really bad habit that I'm going to regret later when I'm broke because I have spent all my money on jewelry. But because I go to the best place for jewelry, I might not be broke. And I kind of like to wear really nice stuff that doesn't cost like a bajillion dollars. That's where Majuri comes in. If you haven't heard of Majuri, it's an amazing, amazing jewelry company that creates fine jewelry that's actually for your everyday. Like not just for that occasion, not because you got engaged, not because it's your wedding anniversary, because you rock and you don't need an excuse to buy yourself jewelry. Majuri has a team of over 80% women and it's by women for women. That's why it's not about waiting to be gifted. It's about gifting your damn self. I personally love their super stackable rings. They've got pearl earrings if you're into that. They have astrology jewelry, like the Libra stuff if you're a Libra, Scorpio stuff if you're a Scorpio. It's really the best. It's all handcrafted and ethically sourced. 
I stack the necklaces all day, every day. I never take any of it off to shower and nothing has happened to it. It is the best. Go to Majuri.com slash Acme for 10% off your first order. That's Majuri, M-E-J-U-R-I.com slash Acme for 10% off your first order. Check it out. I'm excited to hear what you think. Every day I wake up and I take a probiotic, but I felt like it wasn't enough. And like there are so many things that I need for my body that I'm not necessarily covering. And so I looked into, you know, maybe I should start taking a multivitamin. And I saw Ritual online. Like I was just getting the ads everywhere. And I was like, okay, I need to know what the hype is here. And I am so excited that I ordered it because Ritual has the most amazing high quality nutrients like vitamin D3, all the best things that you could ever need in just two daily pills. They also have an amazing aftertaste, like not one gross thing that you could possibly get from a probiotic, but instead it's almost like this like minty, fresh taste. Like I'm telling you, you will be like, oh, oh, I like that. It is really amazing. It's also, like it's available for women, men, and teens, which is great. They're developed to help support your different life stages. So like whatever you're needing at that moment, Ritual is there to support you. And they deliver to your door every month with free shipping always. You can also start, snooze, or cancel your subscription at any time. If you don't love Ritual within your first move, they'll actually refund your first order. That's how confident they are. And I am that you'll love this multivitamin and that you'll feel good. Like if you're suffering from like sadness, like hair loss, like anything that you could be dealing with, try taking a multivitamin. Like I'm telling you, it is really, really amazing. And I am personally a fan it has helped me a lot. So if you want to try Ritual, we're actually giving you guys 10% off during your first three months if you go to ritual.com slash Acme to start your ritual today. Ritual.com slash Acme and you will get 10% off during your first three months. Hi guys, my name is Sarah Nicole and I am the host of the Papaya Podcast where each week we dish out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom all through candid conversations in a very real and tangible way. I want everyone to know that they're not alone and that we share in these experiences called life. And sometimes when we get to know somebody else's story, it changes ours a little bit as well. So I want you to tune in with us on Mondays. Subscribe, rate and review it and keep these conversations going with us. You can tune in behind the scenes at the Papaya Podcast and the Birds Papaya on Instagram as well. Can't wait to see you next week. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with the amazing Emily Morris from Sex with Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi, so good to be with you. It's so good to have you on. I've been a fan for a while and I think that you're just such a fun person to follow and to watch. And we have some really good questions for you today. So that's exciting. I'm excited. So Emily, where are you from? I'm from Farmington Hills, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit. I love it. And how did you get into the whole like world of of sex and therapy and all of it? Yeah. I got into, it was actually my second career. So my first career was working in politics. I worked for, um, I moved to San Francisco after I graduated from college. I went to Michigan, lived in Michigan, and then I was done with Michigan. So I moved to San Francisco and I worked 
um, for a lot, a lot of women trying to run running for office. I worked for like Barbara Boxer and it was totally different than what I'm doing now. But what I realized was like, I really enjoyed the process of, of connecting with the voters and people. And I had an idea to make a documentary. So I made a film about politics and it did well. And after that, I thought I want to do another interview show, interview format, where I'm delving into something that we all are passionate about. Because I think that, and one of those areas that I've always been very fascinated by, and I was always a little bit confused by, was sex and relationships and dating. And I just knew the stats. I was like, okay, half of marriages end in divorce. It seems that sex is often the culprit. And I knew from my experience of being a serial monogamous, which I know that you are too. Yes. Um, that after two years, the sex was just like, uh, okay, well, the sex isn't great anymore. I might as well move on. And I thought, right. well, is, this, is this really how it's supposed to be? And on top of that, my sex was okay, not great. I would listen to my friends who were like, oh, it was amazing. I, I had orgasms or, or this great thing happened. And I always said to people, when you say sex is amazing, what do you mean? And I thought- right. I want to learn more about this. And I started a podcast in my living room 16 years ago in San Francisco. I lived in San Francisco and I just interviewed people about their sex life and dating and relationships. And I realized that I wasn't alone. Like I was shaming myself because I thought I don't have orgasms with a partner. I sometimes fake them. I had no information. I had no, no one to talk to about it. There was no, my parents didn't talk about it. There wasn't a lot of, there was porn, but I'm like, mm. that can't be real. So I dove into it and I realized from that first episode that this was going to be my life's work is to help people, is to make sex less taboo, to pri- get people to prioritize their pleasure and liberate the conversation around sex. So I, that's love, I love that. And just to get this over with, because my podca- in my podcast, we like to do like astrology, you know, in the beginning, I know your sign because I looked it up, but... Can you share with our listeners? I'm a Gemini. Love it. But I also have my three other houses. Are yeah, tell me. Nine, I think. What is it again? It's like they're in like all in. See, I'm not as great at this. Maybe it's Aries. I can see that. I can see that. That would give you like the confidence to talk to people about yeah. this stuff. Um and Gemini is also like one of the most curious signs out there. So I feel like what you're doing is so aligned and that's amazing. Um, yeah. I love that. And so you had mentioned that like you hadn't had orgasms from sex and that was part of why you were so fascinated about like learning more. Is that something that has changed since? Yes, a lot has changed. Well, no, to be honest, I have orgasms through penetration, but most of the time they're not through that. And what I came to find out is that only 20% of women have right. orgasms through penetrative sex. So it's like, I'm, it's just, and it has to do with our anatomy, Lindsay. It doesn't have anything. It's like, if your clitoris is like a, a centimeter closer to your vaginal opening, you're mm. more likely to have internal orgasms. And if it's not, you're just going to need external stimulation. You're going to need someone to perform oral sex on you. You're going to need to stimulate your vulva and your clitoris and get you going and get you turned on. And then maybe during penetration, you maybe sometimes I can have one if I'm stimulating myself or using a toy, but oftentimes, no, it, I, but I have figured out how to get pleasure every time I have sex for sure. Like I know what I need. I know what I want. And I didn't have any of that information before. 
And I feel like we need to get into that because we recently did a poll question and we were like, whose responsibility is it during sex for you to have an orgasm? Is it yours or your partner's? And 80% of people thought it was their partner's. And Uh I could not disagree more. And I feel like you have so many thoughts on that too. Um, But before we get into that, what is your current relationship status at the moment? Um, My current relationship status is I'm dating. Okay. Somebody. Yep. Because you mentioned you're a serial monogamist um, and I am too. So like literally no judgment. I feel like it's the only way to be. Um, how did that play out kind of like in, you know, your formative years and whatnot? Like, did you find that it was more of like not wanting to be alone or you were truly just like looking for love and really That's like wanted question. to put everything into That's it? That's a good question. Because I can tell you now how I went through it. I, when I was in my twenties, there wasn't any other options. Like if you slept with somebody, you you got into a relationship eventually. Like there wasn't, it wasn't okay to be dating around and to be right. open and be like, I'm just on my path trying to figure out what feels good to me. Mm-hmm. It was like, you're a slut. People don't do that. But I kept feeling like I'm only in my twenties. Like, I don't know what I want yet. I don't, and I have to say this, I've never been, I've never prioritized marriage and kids. That was never a goal of mine. So if that's something that people want, then you start looking for a partner that would be a good parent. That would be a good, I I was lucky. I feel like I was free from that pressure mm-hmm. because I just, but I wanted to be with somebody. But what I realized is that in these relationships, I just kept getting into them two years and then something would happen and I'd break up and then another one. I'm like, these all feel the same. I'm just going to, and then in my thirties, I was like, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to, I actually call it a manatorium. It was a moratorium on men. And I thought, for six months, I'm just not even going to date. I'm going to take the whole equation of men and searching for men out of it. And I'm going to really do the work and work on who am I? What do I want? Who am I without a man? Because yes, I think a lot of it was, I love being with men. I love relationships until I don't. And I love the security Mm. and all the things. But then I kept just picking partners not that they were so bad. I always dated good guys, but I, w- I wasn't ready. You know, we often want to blame the partner. Oh, he had this fatal flaw and he did all these things. But I was problematic right. as well because I wasn't clear on my values and what I wanted. So in my 30s, I took a break and I decided I'm just going to take time without a man. I'm going to work on myself. And then when I get into relationships, I was able to be much more purposeful about what I actually looked for, who, what I wanted, what kind of relationship I wanted. And then for a while I did like open, I was in an open relationship mm. in the sense of I kind of had a primary partner, but I would date other people and we were very open about it because he was in a different stage of his life. And so was I. And so I've kind of gone through all the phases, especially when I started my show. I was like, I don't want to be committed. I just want to go explore and go to right. sex schools and do all the things that I'm teaching people I want to learn as well. And now I'm at a point where um, I am dating kind of like a few people right now, but there's one person that is really great. And we talk about all this stuff, like where I'm at and where he's at. We have great communication and we'll see what happens. I love it. Can you share, can you share his birthday or? January 25th. So he's an Aquarius. That's so weird. I was going to guess that he's an Aquarius because you definitely connect with that. Yeah. Um, it's a balance, right? I, I love that. I see so many similarities with you. And I'm, by the way, I'm sure you get this all the time. So this is nothing new, but some like similarities with Carrie Bradshaw in a way, right? Like (laughs) I, I'm rewatching sex in the city from season one, um, with my partner now. And it's just like, it's, it's wild how ahead of their time they were in so many ways. 
Exactly. They really were. And it's funny because I didn't watch Sex in the City when it came out and everyone's like, oh, you're like Carrie Bradshaw. And I was like, mm-hmm. am I? I? I don't know. And then since then, I've saw, seen some of it. I, I didn't have a TV for 20 years. I lived in San Francisco. No one had TV. It was like the people I was with, we burned into TV, which right. is kind of funny now. But then I watch it. And I'm like, oh my God, that happened. All these, like what I'm watching, I'm like, that happened to me, that happened to me. So yeah, <laughs> right. Bradshaw in it for sure. And you had mentioned that like you were never hoping for this like family life and these kids. And I feel like that's something that Carrie like kind of coined almost and made normal because like without even saying it, like she never yeah. even directly said in the show, like, I don't want kids. She right. just made it clear that she just wanted this relationship that she was pursuing with Big, which but I find big, so interesting. Right. She never did talk about kids. Which is so... Samantha. Right. Kristen right. wanted... What's her name? Chris... Um, Kristen Davis. Um, Charlotte. Charlotte wanted kids. And then we know that... Miranda had a kid. Yeah, you're right. It, it is very similar. Yeah. And it was... Yeah, it was 20 years ago. That is... It is very funny. People... People do say that. So that's, and I'm living it, you know, I, and it's not in a way that I, and I don't have many role models. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm one of the only, I think it's changed now with like a younger, gen, with a different generation, but yeah. it was one of the only friends of mine who didn't want kids. They were just like, it was very rare. But now I have a lot of people in their twenties who work with me and they're just like, oh, I don't want kids. I'm like, well, you might change your mind, but it wasn't as, oh, like it wasn't, oh, it was weird. It was like, I had to explain yeah. They're like, no, don't worry. I love kids. Right, right. <laughs> like, I'm not going to hurt your child just because I don't right. want kids. I, um, not children. I'm obsessed. But like mm-hmm. for my life and what I wanted to do in my life, which is change the world uh, with through my work and do something that could really have an impact. But none of it was you thinking that you wouldn't be like a fit mom. It was really no. just like you had other things that you wanted to focus on, right? Yes, exactly. It's none of that. I would be, and all my friends are like, oh my God, you're such a good mom. Can you watch my kids? Like, I'm obsessed with my friends' kids. I, my nieces, I'm, I have three nieces, but it was not that I wouldn't be fit. It was that I think sometimes when we get quiet and we think about, well, if you take away what my parents want, like I was lucky. I didn't have my mom being like, when do I get a grandchild? Like right. that happens. I didn't have that. I was really on my own. I kind of raised myself a lot in many ways. And I just got quiet. And I was like, that just, I'm loving my life. I'm loving that I can do what I want, when I want, and have all these experiences. Like being a single woman traveling through the world is thrilling. Like I would go on trips and I would went backpacking through Southeast Asia by myself when I was like 26 for a year. And, you know, I've just done all these things that I don't think would have been available to me if I was like thinking about, I got to get married. I got, I mean, Mm -hmm. I I didn't have that biological clock. So, and I was able to kind of separate from what society would, would, would want for me. And like that it's your duty as a woman to procreate. I just don't buy into any of that. I think, I think we can all mother in our own ways. Mm -hmm. And I certainly do. Like, I think that what I'm doing now is providing a service to so many women and so many men. My audience is pretty much split, but like I'm that person they can talk to about intimate things, dating and sex and building a company and and, and having a, I just got a dog and, you know, just my mm-hmm. friends, I nurture my friends and it's very fulfilling. So I'm here to tell women too, that, the, that if you're like, oh, what if I regret it? And I have a lot of friends now who don't have kids. It's like, you don't regret it. If you're living your life on your terms and you're trusting your intuition every step yeah. of the way and you're fulfilled, you're you're making the right decision. I don't think that kids should be something that you take lightly. I think that should be like, why am I making it? Like, question yourself. Is it for somebody else 
or is it for you? And are you for certain? You, yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of the answer to my next question, which would just be like to, to a, a woman listening or a man listening who is on the fence about whether or not they want a kid. Would you say that if you're not like completely passionate about it, like if you are on the fence, then you should lean towards don't. I would say do some, do a little bit more work. I would say even write it down. Like you could even do a pro con list and then you could go talk to your friends or your cousins or people in your life and actually ask them, say, mm-hmm. I really want to know. Cause it's kind of like when you're looking for a job and you like talk to people in that career, you're like, is this what I want to do? And ask them, what's it like having kids? Like, well, what has been the joys for you? What's been the challenges? Like people that you align with and that you respect because people yeah. will be very honest and you might hear it and go, oh yeah, that's kind of reinforcing what I thought. It's not what I want or it is what I want. So I would say like, try to get some more knowledge around it, educate yourself. But if you already have that education and you're still leaning away from it, I think that's okay. Like I don't, there's so many people that need our help in other ways. You could, I mean, I think that there's something to be said for like, I can show up for my friend's kids and I can babysit and my Mm -hmm. niece all, and it's such a thrill for me, but I know that it wasn't, wasn't right. But yeah, if you really have done this work and you don't want to do it, it should never be anything that you pressure yourself into because you could regret it. People do. They don't talk about it that often. Right. It's not talked about. Like, what did I do? Yeah. I mean, but you also love them more than anything in the world. And I'm not of saying course. This. Wait, and I, let me say this. It's rare. It's not like one out of five women are regret it. No, but it happens. And they're like, well, what did I, I didn't really think about it. I just thought I had to, like uh-huh. my generation had to, like there, right. was, there was no choice. But now there's so many choices. There's so many ways to live our lives right now that are satisfying and fulfilling. And the great thing is that we get to be the architects of our own life. I have really, really soft skin. Like that's like my flex. Like my skin is extremely soft. If you ever have the chance to touch it, I really am excited to hear your thoughts because it is very soft. But the reason that my skin is soft is because I don't only moisturize in the winter. Like I know that it is so important to moisturize year round. And that's why I partnered with an amazing company called Osea. And Osea does everything in their power to make sure that your skin gets the TLC that it needs. It's so amazing. Like we should all be taking care of our skin the same way that we take care of our face, the same way, you know, that we take care of our sexual health. Like skin is so important. And as you get older, your skin needs to be moisturized. And Osea does that for you. They've got amazing algae body oil that instantly moisturizes and replenishes dry skin, leaving every inch silky, silky smooth. It's called their Undaria algae body oil. And I've been using it since the winter. And the result is like a luxurious, amazing, like citrusy vibe and very soft skin. It's really amazing. Osea has made clean, safe skincare products since 1996, vegan and cruelty-free. And it's female founded. So you're supporting women and family operated by a mother-daughter team. We love that. You need to try Osea risk-free 
for 30 days and you can get free shipping on orders over $50. They even send free samples with every order. You should order right now to have it for the whole summer. And you can get 10% off your first order with promo code ACME at oseamalibu.com. That is 10% off with code ACME at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-M-A-L-I-B-U.com. Oseamalibu.com. Code ACME for 10% off. If I haven't already talked about it 7,000 times, we just moved. And something that was really stressing me out about the move was making sure that all of our frozen things did not thaw and got safely to our new fridge. So I did that all ahead of time. And the one thing that I was making really sure didn't get messed up was our daily harvest. Daily harvest is so necessary to have in your freezer at all times because it is delicious food that's all built on organic fruits and vegetables that comes right to your door and you just pop it in the freezer. And then it's ready when you are. Everything stays so fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. So you're saving and wasting less food. Like what could be better? I personally love the smoothies for breakfast, the crisp flatbreads for lunch or dinner. And they've got like, you know, if it's a rainy day, an amazing harvest bowl or a soup. There's no preservatives, no added sugar, nothing artificial, like literally nothing. So you know that you're eating right for you, especially if you're someone who's really indecisive about what to eat. Daily Harvest is undeniably for you. Get started today. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code ACME to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code ACME for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That is dailyharvest.com and promo code ACME. Check it out. I was at a comedy show last night and the one of the comedians was talking about like, you know, your 20s versus your 30s in terms of sex. And they picked out, you know, a group of girls in their 20s and they're like, you guys are in your 20s, right? And they were like, yeah. And they were like, you're having terrible sex. Like your (laughs) sex right now is all about the guy. You're never on top. And then they pointed to the the women in their 30s and they're like, good for you. You're having good sex. They were like, you're going to die sooner, but you're having good sex. It was really funny. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, But do you agree with that? kind of stigma about your 20s versus your 30s. Like you don't really start to have good sex until your 20s is over. Or do you think that there actually is a possibility if you try to learn more about it? Yeah. Well, I would say that that's a, that there's a reason why that stereotype exists because I think that typically people in their 20s don't have the confidence. They actually don't have the experience. They literally haven't been alive long enough to be with enough partners where they're figuring out their body and what feels good. But where I have to say is that I've I've been doing this for a long time and my listeners are all ages. And I have women in their 40s who are still having really disappointing sex, just really? like they in their 20s. So it has to be something that you're curious about. And I know that my listeners who've been listening for a while to Sex with Emily in their 20s email me every day and are like, thank you so much. Like my sex life is so much better. Mm-hmm. I've, I've learned to ask for what I want. I've learned how to have an orgasm. So really it's just about education. It's about, are you passionate and do you care? And will you prioritize becoming sexually healthy? And that means 
what feels good to me, what not having performative sex, not just having, because I did all of it. Like I faked orgasms in my twenties. I thought it was all about the man. I just did performative. Like this will be great for him. I didn't even know that my pleasure mattered because the men I was with didn't know that either. And this isn't to bash men. We're a woefully undereducated society when it comes to sex. So what I try to do every single day in my life is to educate people and give them their options and see like where you're at now could change dramatically. So I wasn't until I was in like my, my 30s that I even started studying sex. Mm-hmm. So it was only because I put the effort in and I realized that I want to have pleasure just like my male partner and I'm going to figure it out and I am responsible for my own orgasm. Yes. And my own yes. And I, I think that that exists but I think even women in their 30s sometimes just keep, if they never talk about sex, they never are in relationships, but they'll, right. they'll keep sex the same way forever. Yeah. It's all about communication, like with everything, everything in a relationship. And like for me, I was like one of those kids that was like a chronic masturbator, you know? Oh, you're and so, so when I started having sex, like, you know, same with every woman, I didn't have an orgasm for the first like probably, I don't know, a hundred times that I had sex. By the way, not with a hundred different partners. Right. Not that it would matter, but just, no you know. No yeah, exactly. But in the same relationship, because you know, serial monogamy, I wasn't having an orgasm for so long, for so long. And then I figured out a way to kind of do what I do to masturbate during the act of sex yeah. with my partner, kind of using like, you know, his penis or whatever as the function. Cause like I, so I'm just going to be <laughs> vulnerable. It's going to help your listeners because everyone. Right. Yeah, exactly. Please. So I was never the time, ty- the type of person who could use a vibrator or my hands to have an orgasm when masturbating. I was like the humper. I'm okay. sure you've heard about this. Like, yeah. yeah. Like needed to hump things like things like, like a pillow in between my legs or like a sheet in between my legs. Yeah, common. Exactly. And so I kind of replaced the sheet slash pillow with like, I figured out how to replace it with like a penis. Yes. And so I don't even know if I'm having a, like, what is it called? A penetrating orgasm versus Uh, a clitoral. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't even really know. I just know that what I'm doing is like my routine and that it's my responsibility. Are you on top usually when that's I'm happening? on top. I, I can only really orgasm on top, which I think, again, is really is really common for women, right? It's really common for women, but it sounds like you're doing the right... That's exactly it. I always tell women, how do you orgasm? That's why masturbation is so important. Mm-hmm. How do you orgasm alone? And then how do you bring that into the relationship? And then just move in that way and even say to your partner... I realize I've never orgasmed with a partner. Are you down for me trying? Because then you're not worrying like, do I still look sexy as I'm grinding on top? No, you right. partner, your partner wants you to have an orgasm. Believe me. And if they if, don't, that's a red flag on and them. And if they don't, that is such a great litmus test to get rid of that partner. It's uh-huh. so like, what are, doing? what are you doing? You're like, well, I'm not doing you anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you figure out what feels good to you and how you move. That's That's really a common way of doing it. And, and if it's a vibrator that makes you orgasm, is there a way that you can translate that? Like, for example, figuring out where like the vibrator hits you and then telling them to like touch you in that place, you know? Absolutely. But for some women, it's just, it's really hard because they just need that vibration and there should be no shame in that. If you could also, when you're riding your partner, you could get a little handheld vibrator and just hold mm-hmm. it on your clitoris, your pubic yeah. bone. 
and just ride them with that toy. And that feels right. good to them as well. So, um, but there are ways to learn. I mean, I don't think that it's, you could also just try vibrating or masturbating without a vibrator and then trying to, trying to get there. But for some women that just works and it's fine. Like, I don't know this notion that it should just be penis goes in vagina, explosive orgasm. And right. Should- like in the movies, it's such bullshit. It's not bullshit. It's so not real life. So, um, I think we've become the detectives. We have to like get into it and figure it out. And then we have to explain it to a partner who might never have had a woman talk to them about what their pleasure. I'll, t- I'll bet you that most men, I know this, have never had a woman say, and I, this is where I want to change the discord. I mm-hmm. want empowering every woman out there to be that woman who says, you know what? I'm learning a lot about my body. I'd love to show it to you. I realize that all these years I have been having orgasms, but I'm going to try to figure it out. You in? Like, let's right. Oh my God. He'd be so in. So in. Right. Again. And if he's not. Exactly. Not- but like a man would love to, like, I personally have never had an orgasm from being gone down on. And like when I was dating back in the day and like I would say that, like it would be like their mission. Like, oh, well, I will change that. You know, like men love that challenge of being that person. And that's why it's so important not to fake orgasms. And like everyone does it. I mean, I I actually have never done it um, just because I'm like not a man hater, but I'm like, I'm not going to give an unnecessary compliment, you know? It. Yeah. <laughs> Good for but, you. But like just faking an orgasm is you're only hurting yourself if you do that, you know? Um, yeah, you're, you're hurting yourself and you're they're, they're thinking they're the greatest lovers in the world. So you're doing a disservice to them and their future lovers. Exactly. And the last piece of it is is obviously hugely mental when you're having an orgasm, like as a woman and a man, you know? And so if that means that you have to go to a place, like I'm not going to lie, like I might, like I have kind of like kinky fantasy type things. And so all in addition to doing my routine that I would do masturbating during sex, I also have to maybe sometimes go to a place where I'm thinking of my fantasy, right? Yeah, that's really common. Fantasy, having mm-hmm. a rich fantasy life is a really important part of having an overall healthy sex life. There should be no shame in your fantasy game. Yeah, It's totally healthy to be thinking about things to get you there because our brain is the largest sex organ. We got to get our brain on board. If you're thinking about the laundry or do I look hot or is someone going to walk in? Like, right. you're not it's gonna not going to happen. It's yeah. not going to happen. We had some listeners of your podcast um, and fans of yours submit questions. So I'm just going to go through a few of these. Somebody asked, and this is actually perfectly in line with what we were just talking about, but tips for gaining more confidence to be communicative during sex. I think that the first thing is getting confident with your body. So taking Mm -hmm. the time like we're talking about to understand your body, understand your orgasm, what feels good to you, and not just your genitals, like your vulva and your vagina, but how does it feel to touch your nipples? Like what gets you in the mood? Is it after you take a bath? Are you listening to certain music? Are you, you know, just get curious about that and then, and learn. And then the communication part, people often say, I want to communicate during sex better, but I think it starts outside the bedroom talking about sex because in the moment, like if you're going to start asking for, you're going to start giving feedback or you're going to start telling your partner something different and you've never talked about sex before, it can be really sort of confusing to a partner who's like, oh no, I'm doing it wrong. And our Mm. egos are also sensitive, men and women, that it's a conversation that starts like outside the bedroom when you're hanging out and you just say, hey, 
I want to talk to you about our sex life. It's so, and I have a lot of information about this at sexwithemily.com. I have a, like a communication guide for communicating about this stuff, but it's like, I realize we've never talked about our sex life. It's actually something that's really awkward for me or uncomfortable, but I would love to be a great lover to you. I know you want to be one for me Take use your own language and say, would you be down if like during sex, like, I think I want to kind of show you some things I've learned. Like, w- mm. would you You'd be cool with that. Like rather than, and I just think that that helps people get more confident and then they get in there like, okay, here's what I've learned. So, and then, and then you see if they're on board with it. And again, they might be like, well, what am I doing wrong? And it's going to warn you that your partner might say, well, are you not happy? Are you not satisfied? Right. Are you doing wrong? But you have to reassure them that you're on your sexual journey and you've been, I'm always like, blame me. Like I was listening to this sex doctor and she said this and that, but I'm learning and I want you to be on board. This has nothing to do with you. I think if I have more pleasure, you'll have more pleasure. And then you get into the bedroom. So how you communicate in the bedroom once you've cleared that is just like, hey, that was felt great. Can you keep doing that? Or let's slip down a minute. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think for so many years, I was going along with like what my partner wanted and I wouldn't slow it down or I wouldn't say I was having pain or I I would just keep going because I know his orgasm was, I thought his orgasm was more important than my own. Mm -hmm. But we are allowed to, in the middle of sex, say, oh, babe, let's slow down for a minute. Let's go back to kissing. This is kind of going fast. Let's just hold, let's, like sex isn't linear. We Mm -hmm. think it's like make out, grab boobs, rip clothes off, have sex. But you could just move, you could like make out, you could go into the intercourse, you can go back to making out, you can kind of slow down, you could use their hands and guide them, you could grab a toy. Like, it's fun. It's like you're creating a dance every time. So I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that it has to be this perfect way of communicating. But I think as long as you do it with kindness and empathy right. and without like blaming or shaming, mm-hmm. you're going to yeah, I feel like at like everything you said and like give direction and ask for direction. Like I feel like sometimes insecure about like the way I give head. So I'll be like, like, is this what I should be doing or should I be adding this? Like, should you know, like that. Well, because uh, everything is different too. Even with my guy, I'm like, he wants something totally different. And I've right. been with a lot of penises. And, like, <laughs> and one day I'm like, wait, wait, show me. Like, I really want to know. And then right. I'm like, I had like, this is what I do. You want something uh-huh. different. I just found out that he wanted something different. And then I'm like, okay, got it. And right. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise you would never have known. And then it'd be yeah, like yeah. this weird thing. Yeah. Um, somebody asked how important is sex in a relationship? I feel like this is like so different for everyone, but I'm sure you have a great answer. Yeah. I think that sex, you get to decide in every relationship how important sex is to you, but usually it's a part, you're making a decision with a partner. Typically in relationships, there's always going to be one person who it's more important it's more important to one person and less important to someone else. There's always a high desire partner and a lower desire partner. And typically the, they match up rather than the two low desires and the two high desires. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you're this, if she's asking this question, um, I, I have to say like, maybe it's not as important to you. And I would ask why I would say, has there been trauma? Are you having pain? Is there something about your body that you don't feel great about? Like, why isn't sex as important to you? Mm-hmm. And then figure out, like, if you're with a partner, like, how important it is to you? How many times a week should we have sex? What is sex? Because it's not just penetration. It could be oral. It could be giving each other massages and getting yourselves turned on. It could be watching porn. Like, decide what that means. But I do, I can tell you this, that sex is important because when it's not going well, like, they say that if sex is going well in a relationship. Yes, I've heard this. 10% of your. Uh-huh. 
And if it's bad, it's 90. 90. And it's true. It's a fact. That's a fact. It's a fact. So Mm -hmm. it's more for me. I can't give you a blanket answer, but I would get some more information about why it's not important to you. And that's totally okay too. Yeah. I think that's really helpful. This person asked, she's curious about what you think about sex on the first date during the first few dates. Do you have any sort of rules or like, this is what works for most people that have come to you around waiting? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a good question. Because I'm not, there's some dating experts who are like, wait three dates. I'm all about waiting until you feel comfortable with the person, you feel safe with them. And I typically think that the anticipation of the first date, like if it's going so well and you want to have sex, how great is a second date going to be once you miss them and you get to know them more? So I typically see it as like waiting isn't going to hurt you. And I don't see the like why we have to rush to it. However, you hear the stories all the time, too, of like we had sex on the first date. Right. And now we're married. Uh So I think it's different for everybody. But I would just like people to say, why are you having the sex? If the sex is to please your if you're like, I'm so turned on right now and I just want to rip this person's clothes off and I need this sex, then do it like go for it. But if it's because you got really drunk and you lot, which I think that that's something too. Like a lot of my sexual things that I've done sexually, I was like, should I really accept with them? I probably had too much to drink. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that I regret it, but I was like, maybe I wouldn't have done it so quickly. So I think really looking at why it's important to rush it, like not you know, have it right away. I'm not going to shame you. It works out in all these ways. But I think that there's there's something to be said for really getting to know someone because also sometimes we have sex right away. And then we get attached to the sex. And then for a lot of right. women, I hear this more than men, with women that like, if we have an orgasm or we have sex with someone, we're like, we get attached right away. Mm-hmm. And then we can't see the red flags in this person. We can't really look at it rationally because we've already gotten to bed with them. Yeah. Yeah. I I usually say to try to wait until you feel comfortable, which for me is like six dates, which it's different for everyone. And then I actually tag on with like no more than two drinks on a first date because you might do something um, that you wouldn't do. Try to limit, try to, if you can, like why, why do you have to get blasted? I mean, that's the other thing. There's a whole generation who gets, who's not, who just has sex. They get numbed out, drunk, blackout, drunk, they have sex. Like to me, that's not liberation. I think women are like, we're so free. We're so free. Right. That's the opposite. Yeah. Right. Um, Does masturbating with a vibrator make it harder to orgasm during sex? It can because we have muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And so if we're so used to only orgasming one way, our body, the neural pathways in our body, we're not, we're not used to it. So it can be harder. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that it's possible. It just means that maybe you take a break from your vibrator. And when you're masturbating, you start to bring back those, the sensations of your hands and of, of maybe mimicking your partner. Like you can right. even think of a pillow and start to ride that pillow. And yeah. See hump, so hump everybody. Hump everybody. You get used to doing everything. Like if you're trying right. to not eat sugar, let's say, and you eat mm-hmm. sugar every night and then you're like, okay, I'm going to try to not eat sugar. It's going to be hard at first, but then you're like, oh, I, I'm just as happy in my life without. So it's like, it's, it's just, it, you're not killing nerve endings. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not going to be unable to orgasm ever again. It's just a practice. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how important it is to like have the mental aspect. What are some tips to like get out of your own head when you are thinking about like the laundry or the fact that like, I don't know, you didn't do your work, whatever right. it is. Right. 
Um, well, a great, I have an easy hack for this. This is like my quick hack and then there's a longer one. But the first one would be get familiar with the five senses when you mm. are starting sex. You could be like, like I always light the same candle because I love the scent and it kind of gets me in the mood. So your five senses, like what am I smelling? What am I hearing? I'm playing my favorite sexy playlist. What am I tasting? Maybe it's lip gloss or your partner's lips. What am I feeling? My hands, yes. partner's body. And so, so when helpful. You, when you ground yourself in the five senses, like let's say you're like, oh my God, taxes, uh, someone's uh-huh. coming home. If you go, okay, what am I feeling, tasting, smelling, hearing right now? You um, you cannot be, and that, 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 what that does is that immediately lands you in the present moment. Right. You can't be anywhere else when you're present in your feelings. And you might have to do that a few times. But if you keep going back to the present, your thoughts can't exist in that space when mm. you're present. So that's just an easy way to be like, okay, I'm tripping. I'm going off on another place here. I want to go back to the moment. And then you're like, oh, wow, my hands are on my partner's body. That feels so good. And his mm. hands wrapped around my waist. And then you're just back in it. That's one thing. Another great practice is deep breath. Like, Breathing and meditation. And I know meditation is like the cure-all for everything, but it actually is. <laughs> like I think that training yeah. mind, meditate, I meditate every day. I have for years. But knowing how to do that and be like, okay, my thoughts are, are, are going all over the place. I'm going to take a deep, like these are, we're not talking like shallow breath. Like sometimes when we just stop, and you can do this with a part of like, wait, let's say I want to stop for a minute. Let's mm-hmm. breathe together. And you breathe like a really deep, like you breathe, you're breathing in it. And you're like, literally feel it down to your pelvic floor. And then your exhale is a little bit longer than your inhale. And you do that a few times and you'll find that you will be present. You could even do it with your partner, sync up with them and then start going again. So it's okay to interrupt the pattern to do it on your own. And then in deep breaths, and that also helps to move our stagnant, I mean, this sounds wooey, but like sexual energy, like if we're like tight and clenched and thinking, it's going to be really hard to get into our bodies and to have like a a free flowing sexual experience. I believe that. Somebody asked this and I know the answer to this, you know the answer to this, but I feel like we have to just indulge it. They said, if a guy says to a girl after sex, I love having sex with you, what does that mean? I would say it means they love having sex with you and nothing else. Right. It means you feel great and I'm really enjoying this experience and that's don't, don't try to analyze it and (laughs) just say like, oh, wow, thank you. That feels really good to hear. Right. Exactly. And then just two more of these um, and then we'll do some rapid fire. Somebody asked about losing their virginity. What to do to make the first time hurt less? Well, well, here's this there's all these myths. There's all these problems around virginity and the societal construct of virginity that it's going to hurt. You're going to pop a cherry. You're going to break the hymen. It's going to be painful. That's all we hear about it. But for some women, they don't have any pain. Some mm-hmm. women don't even have the hymen that breaks. There's no absolutes in all these scenarios. So I would say to look at it as w- how you really can make it hurt less is to go slow, be with a trusted partner, have lube on hand. My One of my dreams is a lube on every nightstand. Every time you engage in any sexual activity, whether you're wet or not, if you add a few drops of lube, you rub it externally on your clitoris or your vulva, you put it on the penis, you'll be more likely to have more sensation and it just helps women orgasm or not mm-hmm. as in the first time. But I think if you just go slow, really slow and eye contact and communicate, it really shouldn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And if I it agree. does, 
then slow down. It's okay too. But right. And, and masturbate before you do it. I I would say. Absolutely. Listen, we, I used to believe that some, this was one of my beliefs in my twenties. Someday my prince will come. And so will I uh-huh. ride up on a white horse yeah. and he's going to know my whole body. And that's when my orgasm is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Not it. I learned by masturbating through masturbating and having a regular practice of it, how to have my own orgasm and what I, I couldn't have, like I had so many years of sex without masturbation. I didn't mm-hmm. masturbate 25. Like I, I can't, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Just and then the last follower question is just um, one partner has serious kinks and the other doesn't. Can you make it work? And how do you not feel like in like, like they're not getting what they really need from you if you don't have that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that we all, I think first off, it's great that they know that, that they're talking about it. I mm-hmm. think that you might not share the same kink, but what turns you on? What's your fantasy? Even if it's not kinky, maybe you just have a fantasy about slow romantic kissing and your right. partner giving you a foot massage. I think that we sometimes just say, oh, I'm not into that because it scares us. We don't understand what the kink means. And then we don't take the conversation further than that. So mm. I think sometimes we can just say, well, tell me more about your fantasy. What does it look like? How does right. it break down? Like, and, and what role do you see me playing in it? And you just talk about it like you're about, you're planning a vacation. Like, where would we go? Where would we land? Mm-hmm. The airport, like get curious. And I think that if it's a vast difference, like the partner always wants group sex and they want to use whips and chains every time. And you're like, there is no part of that that's interesting to me at all. Then maybe you're not going to be compatible if they find that as a requirement. But I found that couples who are open to exploring can find things that work for both of them. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay, some rapid fire. And then I'm going to ask you a quote. Good sign or bad sign if they're comfortable farting in front of you, but you're not official yet. Is that a good sign or a bad sign? It's a good sign. I think it means that they're comfortable. Really? Oh my God. I'd be horrified. Sign? Oh. I, well, I don't think it's a bad sign. I just think it's a sign that we're not compatible. <laughs> oh my God. For you. Right. For me. Well, doing it every time and you're like, right. it slips out and they're like. Right. Yeah. Right. There was another, there was a Sex in the City episode about that. If you and your partner have sex at night around bedtime, do you prefer to do your skincare routine before or after? Oh, it's so hard. That's so <laughs> hard. Um, it depends. Usually early on in the relationship, I just fall asleep with my makeup on. Um, but then eventually I like to do it before so I can, if there's time, so I, cause I know I never want to get out of bed after sex. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just leave the wipes by my bed. So I take my makeup off and put it on while I'm already in bed. Yeah, that's easy. How many times a week, do you feel like you should give your partner head or a month? As me, I mean, I think that how many, I mean, how many times do you, I think it's up to, there's no absolutes here at all. Mm-hmm. I think how many times does your partner want head? How right. many times do you want to give head? And how often are you getting head? <laughs> like, right. So I think, um, I think if your partner, it's a really important part of their arousal and they and they want it, then I think that find out what feels good to them. Talk mm-hmm. to them. You should guess. Yeah. Communication is crucial. Communication um, is a lubrication. Yeah. Sweet. Say that again. Communication is a lubrication. I love that. I love that so much. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is, can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice that has helped you throughout the years or just that maybe you have picked up? 
Mm. Oh, there's so many. I have so many quotes. Well, one is communication is a lubrication. Mm -hmm. I would say foreplay is a, not a suggestion. It's a requirement. Yes. So foreplay and I, and I, I don't even love the term foreplay because it suggests that everything that, that, that the penetration is the main event. Right. What I really mean is in foreplay, which I am in the process of rebranding everything around sex. It means that there's so many other elements to sex. We want to be warmed up. We want to be turned on. We want our part. We want to have intimacy with our partner. We want them to have cleaned, helped around the house, or we want them to have asked about our day. Like there's all these ways that all these elements that need to be in place for us to feel aroused and ready for sex. So I would say find out what that, or just oral sex, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's not just like something that you could just dabble in. It's like, it's, it's a requirement for most healthy sexual relationships and heterosexual relationships. Yeah. I feel like we, we need to change the name from foreplay to something else. I, I'm you work, can do that. I'm working on it. I'm excited yeah. to hear what the new name <laughs> is. Um, Emily, thank you so much. Where can everyone find you? Listen to your podcast, reach yeah. out to you if you do that. Okay. Yeah, I do it. Reach out. Everything is sexwithemily.com. So all social media is at sex with Emily. I release two to three podcasts a week on all podcast platforms. So you can subscribe. You can also email me feedback at sexwithemily.com with any questions. And we have a lot of great free guides on our site that will help facilitate some of these difficult conversations. Mm. So check that out. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks for having me.